Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. If you want to make Out Loud part of your routine five days a week, we release segments on Tuesdays and Thursdays just for M Plus subscribers. To get full access, head to mamamia.com.au forward slash M plus. That's M P L U S, or follow the link in the episode description. Hello and welcome to Mamma Mia Out Loud. It's what women are talking about. I'm Holly Wainwright. I'm Mia Friedman. And I'm Lee Campbell, filling in for Jessie Stevens. Now, we need to make sure Out Louders are across the fact that Jessie is not sick again, because otherwise they'll all be worried and they'll be like, oh, her vertigo is really bad. It's not. It's okay. Jessie, as you'd know if you're following her, is currently in the Northern Territory. She's going to be there all week with her mom and her sister. So she is okay. So we have the wonderful Lee today. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. (laughs) On today's show, a woman has asked her partner to pay her to have their baby to make up for lost earnings, and the internet has lost its mind. And our glorious guest host, as previously discussed, Lee Campbell, is about to turn 40 and has some thoughts about the milestone birthday. But first... Irreverent, cheeky and as unpredictable as the balls he spun down the pitch, Australia has lost one of its greatest cricketers of all time. Shane Warne died. That's what I announced to my husband on Saturday morning. It's funny because I had decided the night before that I wasn't going to look at any news sites and we get the weekend newspapers delivered and I decided I was going to leave them outside because I thought I really need a break from the news. And so I turned my phone on, I got up quite early and my WhatsApp messages, which I always check, from all my girlfriends were full of warning, 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 warning. Now, these are not cricket tragics. These are not people who knew Shane Warne or particularly liked Shane Warne. But throughout Saturday, I just kept getting these texts from friends just in tears or with teary emojis. And I found myself crying when I went and told my husband. And I was just like, I just need the news to slow down. It's like, how can there have been two stories, the floods and now Warney, that have knocked a whole war in Ukraine off the news cycle, you know, certainly off the top 10, 15 stories on a news site. I wrote about it for Mamma Mia. I will link to the piece in the show notes, but I didn't have strong feelings about him one way or the other, except maybe when he got engaged to Liz Hurley. I mean, I, I didn't think he was a bad person. He just wasn't really my type of guy. But when he died suddenly of a heart attack on a boys weekend at the same age as my husband, roughly the same age as me, at 52, it freaked me out. And I'm not even someone who's affected by the war or by the floods. Imagine how you were feeling. I mean, probably Warney dying is not even an issue, obviously, if you're 
in a bomb shelter or you're, you've lost your home in the floods. But I don't know. Lee, did you, what was your reaction? I felt the same. I was up very early with my toddler when I got the SMH alert to my phone. My husband was still sleeping or so I thought and I screenshot it and sent it to him for when he woke up mm. and he wrote back straight away and he said, I can't believe it. And so I went into the bedroom and he had tears in his eyes and he is a sports tragic. Mm. But for me, it was just the straw. You know, I'm yeah. like, COVID what? Did COVID I even remember happen? COVID? Remember Omicron <laughs> cancelling Christmas? Like That's it. And I, of course, I'd be upset, I think, in quote unquote normal times, but it was just the straw for me. And I mm. just felt so sad and so, what's next? How much more can we take? You know, it's pouring outside, although I'm warm and safe with my son and mm. a lot of Australians aren't. And I just thought, oh, I can't do this. But like you, I wanted to put my phone down, but you open Instagram to maybe yeah. see a pretty dress to buy no and escape. it's everywhere. So you just can't escape it. And yeah. I feel like there's no, at the moment, and we talked about this a little bit last week and it's seven days later and we'll, you know, more unbelievable things have happened. I think that sudden death is very shocking. It's very shocking if it happens in your world. And obviously for Shane Warne's actual family, this is the most devastating of all, of course. But I think he's an example of a person who many of us just probably thought was a guy who is always there. He's either a cricketing god or just a sort of celebrity, depending on your passion level, who was just always kind of around. And I think you're right, Mia, that generationally it's shocking if you're older for different reasons. Like it's shocking to me. I immediately messaged it to my partner. We weren't together. We've both been up and down the highway in different locations for a few days now. But I was like, oh, my God. And for me, I almost sent it to him as a bit of a warning. You know, you're not bulletproof, which is a terrible thing to think. But I, I think it was shocking for that reason. And then it was very emotional watching all of the outpouring of what people said about him because like, I'm not a cricket tragic, although my family are. So I know that he was one of the most talented people to ever play the game. But when I worked in Gossip Max, the Shane Warne, Simone Warne story was a it was mm. at its peak. And there were these awful grainy photographs from the News of the World of him engaging in a threesome somewhere in London. And there was always women wanting to sell stories on him. And then there were the Liz Hurley years. So he was kind of like a tabloid figure. But what was really noticeable to me in the outpouring was that all kinds of different people had wonderful things to say about him. You know, I noticed, for example, that the Sydney Mardi Gras posted a tribute to him before the parade on Saturday. They said, before we take to the SCG, we need to pay tribute to this man who was a great ally to mm. the LGBTQI community. Magda Zubanski, Lee Sales, like all kinds of impressive mm. women paid tribute to him, which is amazing. But I do have to bring up the fact that I know for some people it's jarring that there's all this eulogising of, yes, a very impressive guy, but when a lot of Australians are in very literal crisis at the moment. I had a fridge tied to the front of the house to float in. The water just kept rising and rising early Monday morning. My inbox on uh, Instagram in particular is full of messages from Australians who are either in the Northern Rivers or Southeast Queensland who feeling this weekend in particular completely abandoned in a natural disaster. This is just a typical snapshot from a, an out louder called Emily who wrote to me who said, my family and friends have been travelling to Lismore every day. She's from Byron Bay this week to try and help where we can. 
We've gone into so many houses and chucked every single piece of people's lives away. These people have lived in these houses for 50 years and had built them specifically to survive through floodwaters. It's devastating. I'm mostly upset as to where the government or army is. I haven't seen one army personnel while we've been there. I've had friends go to hospital and need tetanus shots and stitches from injuring themselves, trying to take furniture out of homes. It's impossible to fathom what is currently going on. I'm so sorry to message you all this. I just wanted to see if there's any way you could talk or write about it as we need so much more help. And we've got a message here from Madeline West, who obviously hosts a podcast on the Mamma Mia Network called Restart, and she lives in the Northern Rivers too. And she's been working hard on the relief effort this weekend and the cleanup effort, I guess, really. And this is what she has to say about what's going on up there. Hi everyone down there, I'm calling you from what looks like a river, it's actually a road, it's completely flooded, big trees fallen over it so we can't get through. We're trying to access some communities around Korakai, Wardell, Woodburn and further down Evans Head which are still stranded, they're still completely cut off. There's a lot of helicopters going overhead doing drops of care packages and essentials but um, just not seeing the coordinated effort that I would be expecting. Uh, I've spent a lot of days in Lismore, around that area. A lot of the centres, there's been an incredible response. When we first started, there was very few people on the ground. A lot of people wandering around not really knowing what to do. It's beyond words to describe how shocking it is. I'm sorry I sound so terrible. I'm actually quite sick. I've gotten sick from just being exposed to so much contaminated mud. Everything is covered in this thick mud that's like paint it won't come off and it is in itself full of septic sewage and effluent just looking around you see houses that have been completely disgorged of all their contents people's entire lives now lying in the gutter for the small shopkeepers who are only just getting back on their feet after covid this is particularly devastating a lot of these communities some are in low socioeconomic brackets so they don't have home insurance and for a lot of the communities that are already declared in a flood zone, that's there's a risk of them being exposed to a one in a 100 year crisis and that, that is what this is. The floods, there have not been floods in the Lismore region like this since I think 1854. Their premium for house insurance is upward of $25,000 a year and they're just struggling to get by post-COVID. Just surprised that there is not a coordinated response. I think I expected that when we rocked up, there'd be people in big trucks with loudspeakers saying, "Radio, all of you come together. We'll take you to a depot. You 10 big, strong people, you go over there. You can secure the roofs and empty the houses. You guys can do mop up. You can start with, you know, rallying supplies, making sure there's fresh water. Particularly hard part of working in this more originally was there was no running water. So if you're covered in this toxic mud, you can't wash it off. There's no way to, to access soap or hand soap or bathrooms or anything like that. So once you're covered, you're done. If you just want to have a sip out of your water bottle, there you go. That's obviously how I've gotten sick. These are volunteers, so their resources and their efforts are limited. We need a military response here. And from what I understand, the SES need to hand over to the military for the army to actually come into effect. But at the end of the day, the, the buck stops with ScoMo. He has the power to declare this a national disaster, and he has not yet to date. From my understanding this morning, some army have been deployed to start actively making a contribution, but the fact is 
the Commonwealth Government has the power to declare a national disaster. And when that happens, that is the catalyst. I don't want to sound preachy, but I'm a logical person. And I think every one of us, every Australian deserves logical government. It needs to make sense. There's been so much generosity and such an incredible outpouring of civilians on the ground doing their best. So if you want to make a contribution, I would suggest get together in a group Having people wandering around in single cars and potentially risking their own health and well-being is not helpful. Get together in a group. Go to relief centres if you're in the area that are accessible. Don't risk trying to cross flooded roads. We went out on a boat and heard stories from, from a building company that had gone out and were blowtorching tin roofs open to pull out people and there were elderly couples that had been treading water for two days in a little air pocket pressed up against their ceiling or there's still families stuck up in upper Wilson's Creek sitting on their roofs and there's a risk of not just of, of flood and, and the landslides we had torrential rains again last night and there was more rain predicted snakes need somewhere dry to go and they end up you know joining these families and coming into homes and there's risk of snake bite let alone drowning or losing every possession they have you know come on ScoMo you were elected to take charge, pull on your gumboots, do it. Wow. I had no idea that it had not been declared a national disaster area yet. That made me very cranky because the government doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt. But sure, COVID, no one saw that coming. No one's dealt with that before. We have had floods and fires year Mm. after year after year. We should have a well-oiled response. You would think. To something like that. Yeah. And I'm very, very cranky. I also don't. Scott Morrison's had COVID. I think he's been out of action this week, although it hasn't been clear. You can work I'm from also, home. But I'm also not clear of who's in charge when he's not. Like, are people on the ground up there? I saw the New South Wales Premier up in the region doing live crosses to ABC News Breakfast this morning. But, I mean, what Madeline describes sounds horrific. And five or six days too late if he's just got there this morning. Yeah. I was seeing Defence Minister Peter Dutton talking yesterday and he was saying the ADF are there now and there are more ADF people coming. And I'm sure on an individual level, they're all, you know, doing their absolute best. But it's exactly what you said, Lee, that I think people are really angry about. As Jesse spoke about on the show on Friday, people are talking about this being a climate disaster. Whatever your thoughts are about that, these events are happening more and more and more. And instead of each one of them being a surprising, singular, like, oh, dear, that Mm. happened, we better do it, there needs to be a more concerted effort to have a systemized approach. And there's a lot of discussion because apparently there is a fund that was set up by the Liberal government, I think, four years ago to deal with this called the Emergency Response Fund. And they put $4 billion in the bank and they went, right, the interest out of that will be what we use to deal with disasters, which sounds great, right? But apparently at the end of last year, that investment had returned about a billion dollars in interest and only 150 million had been set aside for this kind of stuff, which sounds like a lot of money. But when you're talking about disasters that pile on disasters in this Mm. level, it's really not. And it seems like people who are doing what Madeline's doing or like a lot of our outlouders who are reaching out, bailing out homes, building pulley systems to get supplies across rivers, cleaning up in South Brisbane, they're like, why are we doing this? Why isn't this? I mean, they're happy to do it because I guess, you know, people want to do things in a crisis and and muck in. But there are going to be a lot of difficult decisions ahead about how we live in this changed world. And 
we need to invest in how we handle these disasters. So I guess we just want to say we hear you, we see you, we'll put as many links to as many organizations. But I also know, as you do, Lee, that a lot of places have said, stop sending us donations. Yeah. That's just adding to our logistical issues. Money yeah. is good. Goods are not. And if you don't have money and you are in the local area, you can give your time. On Give It, you can choose a day or several days. But if you're not in the area, they recommend don't travel to the area because then mm. you take accommodation that other people need. It's obviously very complex and people want to do their best. But if you can afford to donate time if you're local or any amount of money, that's the best way to do it. Hi, Mamma Mia Out Loud. It's Pollyanna from Southwest Victoria. Sometimes we do have a Pollyanna moment. And mine will be my Saturday morning walk with my dogs, listening to Mamma Mia out loud. So thanks for bringing the sunshine to a very rainy day. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. Jessie's not here, so I'm going to pretend I know about Reddit today. I don't know about Reddit, but it's a place where people post interesting stuff and then everybody comments, basically. Isn't <laughs> it's it? like a very big message board. Yeah. Or a big chat room from the olden days. Yes. Very big message board. This post has got a lot of people talking. Mia posted it to me yesterday and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm a 34-year-old man, the post goes, and my wife is 29. She has asked me to pay her almost $50,000 to have our child, and I'm not sure what to do. So this was actually brought to our attention by Sally Hepworth, who is an outlouder, who DM'd me last night and said, please talk about this on the show tomorrow. And I then shared it in our Outloud group. I initially thought, well, that sounds a bit weird, like asking your husband or your partner to pay you to have a baby. Mm. But Holly, please explain. He says they're both high earners. They both earn over $175,000 a year and they're considering having children, right? They share everything financially. So they go 50-50 on everything from weddings, honeymoons, engagement rings, house payments, everything 50-50. Now, she says that her workplace allows her for maternity leave for, to a year but only provides 50% of her salary for six months. That's the maternity leave package. Very common, very standard maternity leave package and so she says that if she's the one whose earning capacity is going to be slashed she wants him to make up the fall in it and he says her stance is that she is doing something for us to start a family but it's not a true 50 50 split if she's the one expected to take a financial hit for it and I'm not given that our finances are separate She's printed off a list of expectations in terms of what she expected financially and listed some things that insurance and maternity leave wouldn't cover. The man says, I see the logic in this, but I am really very turned off by this because she is essentially asking me to pay her to have our child or children. Now, holy shit, what an excellent dilemma this is. Lee Campbell, is this woman a legend? Yes or no? Well, short answer, yes. Please, can I encourage you to read the whole post and we'll put it in the show notes because it gets more and more bizarre as it goes on. He seems like a bit of a robot. 
they're married, so they must be attracted no, to each other. No, they're not married. Oh, they're not married. That's oh, part sorry, of the key. They're spiritually married. They're spiritually married, but they're de facto. Yeah, so legally. So they're not married and their finances are separate. Yes. And that's good for tax purposes. about what her legal yeah. rights Look, I call be. a spade a spade, and in my friendship circles, every single couple that is separated or divorced had separate finances. So I think Ooh. there's a bit of a link there because if you're in, you're in. Marriage and love isn't all on paper. I think she's a legend. Oh, you're so romantic well, and also maybe hang idealistic. On. I've got some solutions. Oh. But, yes, she's absolutely a legend. If they want to go 50-50, it's their baby. It's not her baby. So he should absolutely pay her so that they're equal. I mean, they could just be like most normal couples and have, you know, their own spending money funds and then pull funds for the mortgage, the bills. Mm. I mean, these children are expensive. Imagine mm. saying you have to transfer me so $27 often, for lunch. Yeah, so often it comes out of the woman's salary. So you'll often hear when the time comes to go back to work, a woman will say, well, after we pay for childcare, there's not much left of my salary. And it's Correct. like, well, why is that? It's a household. Always. I remember that was what my mother did when she had Yeah, children. and that's it's so often people yeah. go, oh, well, what's the point of the woman going back to work? And that is a whole other puffer fish for another time. But perhaps he should take over the bills if she doesn't have any income coming in. I'm sure he wouldn't like that so much. Maybe she should say, hey, do you want to be the primary caregiver? I'll go straight back to work. You won't get any income. I won't pay you any money. How do you feel about that? Yeah. And I think he would say, oh, that's not a great deal. <laughs> I think she should say, I'm doing endless hours of unpaid labour. So actually, I want more than 50% because it's a lot harder than my day job. So could oh. I have 80%, please? 50% is not enough. It's the most bizarre thing I've ever read. But what's the bizarre part to you, that she wants the money or that he doesn't see the point? Well, if they're both this sort of, I guess, clinical. And look, I love a to-do list. I love, you know. I thought it would appeal to you, Lee Campbell. I'd just like to see their, like, their sex schedule. Like, does it only go for like three minutes and 29 seconds? Like, he said she gave him a 16-page binder with all yes. of this And he goes on out. to say, I'm not even sure if she's pregnant. I checked the bin for a pregnancy test. Oh I mean, God. their communication seems completely contractual. I just don't think it's realistic. If I was her, I'd get out before she is pregnant if she isn't already. But I just... But she'll no doubt have this approach with the next person that she's with too. Well, I yeah, think may, that look, maybe they're soulmates in that they're so strangely bound by contractual stuff. Well, I think she is a legend because, I mean, I'm a little bit like Lee. Actually, I'm not. Lee is 20 million times more organised, disciplined <laughs> and forward thinking than I am. But... In terms of the thing of, I think if you're in, you're in. You know, if you're in a family and you're in a relationship and raising a child is a, if there are two of you and somebody is going to make sacrifices, you kind of need to throw it all in together or it isn't fair. But if you're not going to do that, as these people are not, then what she's asking for is perfectly fair. The shocking part is that she's asking for it, right? Yes. Like that's what we're surprised about uh -huh. because it all makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense that she's like, hold on. As women realise generationally over time, also while I'm not working for that time, I'm not earning super, I'm not getting any interest <gasps> on that. You should pay her super, good point. You know, I'm not getting sick leave, I'm not getting this, that and the other. Why should I be the one who takes the hit from that and not you? Is very reasonable, but there's something deeply unromantic about a discussion of it at this level, isn't there? It's also not practical. I mean, when their child maybe starts daycare and he's sick, who's going to use one of their sick days? Like you're in it together. You are the parenting unit and that's more than just money. So what are you – so you two seem to think that this isn't a good idea so that then what 
would you do? Like, how did you and Rich handle it? Rich and I have got completely shared everything, every single bank account. We don't have any separate spending money. We just do. You have any little secret accounts? No. She can't tell tell you if she does. (laughs) No, I don't because, I mean, we're very open. He taught me a lot about money. When we met, I had tens of thousands of credit card debt and he's taught me a lot about money. If we want to buy a big ticket item, we run it past each other. If it's just a T-shirt, we don't. Mm. But I just think, you know, I take my son to have a baby Chino. If we had separate finances, do I go home and say, can you transfer me $1.25? You know, it's just not real living in the real world. What do you think, Mia? Look, my maths isn't very good, but I have to say I did think that if she's asking him to meet the shortfall in her income, doesn't that mean it's not 50-50? Shouldn't they be splitting so that they both take yeah, the, it should be an 25, equal I hit? Think, technically. Yeah. So I hate to be all mathematical about it, but to me saying I don't want to lose anything from my income while I stay at home, I think you should split the difference. I don't know. It's interesting. I'm thinking about what you said, Lee. So I had separate finances with my husband and then we split up. Mm. And then when we got back together, now we don't have separate Mm -hmm. finances. We are not advocating for anyone to change or merge or do anything different to what they're doing. But I'm with you, Holly. I think that it's really interesting to exercise my mind with this idea of, oh, yeah, because I've always known and been alive to the idea of women justifying childcare on the basis of how much money they're making in their salary. And I always thought that that's a terrible thing for women to have to do and a terrible calculation to make because it ignores so many of the other reasons women work. It ignores things like super. It ignores the cost to women of being out of the workforce, all of those things. But yeah, I'd love to know what the out loudest thing. Well, what's great is actually reading the comments. So someone's posted it on Instagram and when you read the comments underneath, it's all like, can this lady please sell the binder? Because yes. <laughs> we we need to see that and share that because it's so interesting. I also thought about what you said, Lee, with him rummaging through the garbage for pregnancy tests. It sounds like a complex relationship. I feel like this is, and we've said this before, but it's ideally a conversation you have in advance. When you're deciding what to do with your money, If you are in a long-term relationship, if you do want to have children, and lots of people decide to keep their finances separate these days, you need to say, but yeah, what's going to happen when one of us loses our earning power because we take a... What what also if one of them got made redundant for a bit? What if one of them needed to take a break from work because they were sick or they had to look after a care... I mean, if you're going to always be so clinical about your finances, then you better have some contingency plans for when things shift because things will always shift. Mama Mia out loud! want to get a massage or do something fun it's a bit 40 is huge i'm turning 38 okay 38 come on do you really want to be one of those ladies who's just so insecure about their age and they lie then they gotta forget then they gotta remember and it gets all you don't get it so you don't understand how it works i'm not ready yet i need two more years that is so insane it kind of makes sense lee campbell you have a big birthday coming up i do in a few weeks i'm 30 Lies. How do you feel? I'm 40. I'm actually turning 40. I just like to pretend I look that younger. So I host You Beauty. If you don't know Mamma Mia's daily podcast for your face. I was going to say, I could think you're 30, but then I also want to say, that's what also 40 looks like. Like, look, I'm not 
freaking out about being 40 the number. I just wish my life would slow down because I'm really enjoying it for the most part and I don't want to blink and then I'm 80. Yes. That's, that's the freak out I'm having. And it's mm. funny because I watched Holly in the lead up to her 50th and I knew mine wasn't too far away. And of course, I'm on the fitness regime and I'm on doing all the things. So I feel good. But I'm writing an article for the website about 40 things I know now that I'm 40. Mm. Haven't finished it yet, but I thought I'd give you a preview of a couple of them. And I'd like to get your opinion. Please. Mm-hmm. The first one, you won't find that lid to that Tupperware. <gasps> so don't put it back in the drawer. It's so truly. Just get rid of it. Otherwise, it goes into the graveyard of Tupperware and I've you drown just got in lids. Tupperware. I've just got lids. I've only got bottoms. I never have lids. <gasps> you guys should lids. have a sock party. Mm, we yes, should. we should. Now, this next one is a little bit in the same vein as Like a Mother. And for regular listeners to the podcast, Holly and I had a bit of a biff many years ago when she said, you can't understand something until you've been a mother to do with children. Mm. And I said, that's really awful. And then I became a mother and I understood it. So you cannot fully understand or experience life until you have experienced death close up. So my father passed away nearly two years ago and my siblings and my mum nursed him at home till the day he died. And that fundamentally changed me from that day. I feel like Mm -hmm. life started for me differently from that day. And my therapist helped me put it into context. And he explained that, you know, 200 years ago, you all lived under one roof, the grandparents, everything. And, you know, the grandparents died and the kids witnessed that. At home, the children were born at home. Yeah. And you might have 12 kids, but four died. So... It was sad, but it was as much a part of life as living. But then society has gone, oh, that's yucky and sad. Let's sanitise it in homes and in hospitals. And so we're so unequipped to deal with death because we don't like it and it's yucky. But for me, having seen, you know, especially those final days that were very grotesque and awful and beautiful, it's Mm. kind of like a light bulb moment. It changed me forever. But like a mother, until I think you lose someone very dear to you and you really witness that firsthand, you'll be changed forever. Can I ask, I know this is probably a simplistic question to Mm. such a deep statement, but when you say it made you look at everything differently, in a practical way, what did it shift? Did you start doing something you hadn't been doing or did you just start look at the world differently? I guess I learned a lot of lessons from my dad. You know, he was such a worrier, which strangely, obviously not strangely, exactly. And it really made me just think, I mean, it also desperately made me want to have another child because I can't imagine Alexander going through that with... Alone. Yeah, Yeah. alone, because if I didn't have my brother, I don't know if I would have survived. But it was this sort of full circle soul. It's hard to explain. It's like seeing a white light. I went through the same thing with my sister-in-law about a year ago. And it's a privilege that you're right, we're very sanitised from... Because Mm. when people get old or sick, we put them away and we don't want to see it or experience it. And it is beautiful and awful. I think it takes you to the edge of your emotions that you would never thought you'd go there and everything else will be okay. Mm. I don't know. The next one, much lighter, buy the expensive razor. (gasps) Yes, they're expensive, but that five pack of travel razors aren't going to do you any favours. You're so right. I'm pretty wise. I've got the scars to prove it up my shins. Yep. Yes, they're expensive. I don't know why they're so expensive. Buy the blue ones. You don't need the pink ones, but buy the expensive one and change it often. Okay. And last, you're going to have to wait a few more weeks for the full list, but last, and I wish I could tell my 16-year-old self this, but stop apologising for how you are naturally because I'm very type A. I'm very organised. I am not go with the flow. I am not chilled and I've wanted to be the chill girl and I've been told to chill out my whole life and it's not until now that 
I've stopped feeling bad for how I am naturally. I like how I am. I like that I'm organized mm. and sure that might be a bit uptight sometimes, but I love her. And for so long I pretended not to be her and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm chill. And yeah. inside I'm like, I'm not chill. I need to know where we're going. I need to <laughs> know what we're so doing. true. And it took me a really long time to realize that. So for all the non-chill girls, it's okay. Mia, you're a non-chill girl too. Not only am I a non-chill girl, but if we're being honest about things like that, I don't like nature very much. <laughs> I don't really either. I don't like the outdoors. <laughs> I don't. And you're not allowed to say that. No, you're not. You're I don't really to love like it. swimming. Mm. I don't like the ocean. I don't. I love it. I want to be as in touch with myself as you at 40 because I'm 50. And in our regrets episode the other day, I spent most of it regretting the way I am naturally. <laughs> I was like, and why do I procrastinate? And why don't I listen to my gut all this? And Mia was like, you're just regretting who you are as a person. <laughs> Holly wants a do-over on who she is. Well, we love you, Holly. Oh, dear. That's profound. I have to ask how you're celebrating. Oh, dear. What are um, you going to do? Look. Oh, yeah. So no one's done anything for two years. Look at me justifying. We had a very small wedding. So I'm essentially having a second wedding. I'm having a lunch for 80 people. I love this. Yeah, I've got friends flying from overseas, friends flying from everywhere. And you know what? We still haven't had a funeral for my dad yet. So for all my family to get together and celebrate life and while we're living it. Oh, I think that's beautiful. I mean, I basically need to get a mortgage. My husband keeps going, oh, is that, is that? And I'm like, don't don't worry about that. (laughs) But (laughs) a mortgage for your birthday party. And you can bet, being the organised woman she is, the outfit, the shoes, that How many outfits are there going to be? Two. Mm. Only because I don't want to trash the first dress because I need to sell it to, you know, (laughs) pay the bill. To pay for the party. Love you, Lee Campbell. Okay, before we go, you have to give us a recommendation. Before you do, I have to give a recommendation that is influenced by you. Like most of Australia, I went into Mecca on Saturday and bought the foundation that I read you recommending on Mamma Mia on, I think, Thursday or Friday last week. Mm -hmm. You wrote a post about... I tried the foundation that people say make you look like you've got a filter on and I didn't even need to read it. I just found out what it was and went straight there. And when I was there and I was holding it and waiting in line, the woman in front of me paid and then she turned around and she went, oh, I just bought this foundation and they said, where did you read about it? And I said, Mamma Mia. And I held up mine and I went, me too. <laughs> And me three, I went and bought it on Saturday as well and I messaged Lee and I was like, look, influenced as always. Yes. It's a NARS foundation and we will put a link to the show notes. It's so good. But what's your recommendation? Okay, well, look. What's your other recommendation? I want a very quick shout out to everyone that gets anxious about this segment because I work with you three women and you're very dynamic and busy and then you watch every show and read every book (laughs) and I feel inadequate. So mine is not something to do because I don't have time. It's just something to buy. It's easier. Mine's something to buy. It's an underwear brand called Booty, which I assume is a cross between bamboo and body. Oh, I have these. Double O-D-Y. Oh, my God. I've just got them. I feel like a grown up now. Bamboo knickers. So, you know, all the benefits of cotton. So you're not going to get schwitzy. You're not going to get smelly. And Holly, as you know, when I first started at Mamma Mia, I was a Victoria's Secret G-string girl. You were. You were like, I love G-strings. You were not. Yes, I hadn't had children. Now I'm a full brief booty girl. (laughs) I just ordered a couple of styles, but you can get them in packs to make them cheaper because they're about 16 bucks a pair. So they're not that Mm. cheap, but they're all that kind of enviro stuff. They let your bits breathe. They hold in your, what's this? I've got the boy short ones, the boy leg ones. I love the full brief and my little tip for underwear is always size up because you feel immediately better. So booty is where my booty is. (laughs) Oh, 
Holy Campbell, thank you. Thank you for that. Obviously, links to all these things in the show notes. Thank you for filling in for Jessie today, Lee. That was awesome. Thank Anytime. You. And happy birthday for a few weeks, although mm. I feel like we'll have a few. Oh, you'll hear a lot time. about it. Don't you worry. <laughs> I love it. That's all we've got time for today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mama Mia Out Loud. It was produced by Emma Gillespie and the executive producer is Eliza Ratliff. And if you're looking for something else, I want you to go and listen to Extraordinary Stories because now you can get it in your feed where you find any of your other podcasts. Particularly the most recent one that we've released there is about the life and death of Charlotte Dawson. You would remember Charlotte, model, TV personality and mental health advocate. We spoke to, well, Emma Gillespie, actually, our producer and the host of Extraordinary Stories, spoke to all these people who knew Charlotte so well about her life, about her legacy, about her story, and it is just bloody brilliant. She was so recognised. I mean, she would go anywhere and people would, would expect her to be on, on, on and be the Charlotte that they probably just saw on Top Model the night before or on Beauty and the Beast or on on, on a on a talk show or whatever the day before. And I think that's really, really hard because, you know, when you, when you do get, sort of cultivate a character that people see a lot of, and then you go out to a bar, a restaurant, there's this expectation that the that, that punters, you know, w- want to see you like that. But it's it's just not, that's not right, is it? And so I think that's why she chose to sort of stay at home a lot because I think she just wanted to be sort of normal at home and not put on a face. Episode one is available now wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. 